Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast R&Q and all about success drivers and the benefits of legacy solutions, particularly with a focus on the European market. R&Q has completed several high-profile legacy transactions in 2021, including a deal with Lufthansa's Captive Delvag, which featured in episode 58 of the Global Captive podcast, and there is a link to that episode in the show notes. So we decided it would be great to have R&Q M&A representative for Continental Europe, Jens Caesar, also Managing Director of BRFC, onto the pod to discuss some of the important factors involved in a successful legacy transaction. And he will be joined as well by Christine Katz, Chief Underwriting Officer for Global PNC at Ergo Group, which is the largest insurance entity within the Munich Re Group, and Judith Zeleny, Head of Origination at Capital partners Munich Re. Over the next 20 minutes we will discuss what reasons can motivate exploring a legacy transaction, important factors to ensure it is a success and also the option for legacy solutions concerning structured reinsurance programs. But first Jens begins by outlining the extent of interest in legacy solutions from the European captive market. First of all, many thanks for having us. Uh, RQ and B4C had uh, once again a successful transaction year uh, where we concluded on a prominent captive legacy transaction in Germany recently. And uh, RQ also acquired a GE captive in Ireland earlier this year. This nicely adds to RQ's captive transaction record where they concluded uh, with an approximately 60 captive transactions since 2009. But coming back to your question, it is clearly noticeable that uh, in the past we have seen mainly acquisitions and trans transfers of business with captives in runoff. We now see that uh, a lot of captives or active European captives and SMEs are struggling with the hardening market environment and consequently on cost and capital. The portfolios continue uh, to be exposed to ins uh, social inflation, uh, regulatory burden, a tense financial environment, as well as new materializing risks such as the pandemic, obviously, business interruption, cyber. As the captive sector has become more aware of the benefits of legacy solutions and proactive runoff management, we saw more deals with active captives and other self-insurance vehicles. And here, I would say the aim is more to provide clients with the solution for non-core or discontinued classes or perhaps disposed operations so they can recycle the capital, remove operational complexities and reduce costs from their organization. With now the hard market uh, in hand, many captive owners are very glad to have one, obviously, but want to secure capital relief without having to go back to their parents to support forward underwriting. On the other end of the spectrum, so before we talked about Runoff, captives and runoff. Now, we also, uh, on the other hand of the spectrum, see corporates in financial distress who have shrunk their insurance program and wish to remove associated liabilities. It may be that the parent has been subject to M&A itself, uh, where the shareholder's intention is to remove the capital intents and unwanted business so they can return uh, the capital. In a nutshell, uh, I would say, I think, in the past, there were more standard solutions of either acquisitions and transfers for captives in runoff, while we now see more tailored captive legacy solutions also with active players. And fundamentally, BFRCs and RQ services are about freeing up capital for the distribution 
of the captive's parent and or reducing complexity and operational cost to support the forward-looking operation and underwriting strategy. And uh, personally, I'm very confident that the hard market environment, as well as our most recent European transaction successes, will generate further interest in captive legacy solutions in continental Europe across 2022. This kind of feedback where we are the gained uh, over the European Captive Forum in Luxembourg back in November this year. So Christine, Ergo is obviously not a captive insurer, but a lot of the themes we are discussing are transferable and you've got experience in this area. What are the motivations for exploring and completing a legacy transaction? And, and how do you also go about selling that strategy internally? Those are very good questions, uh, Richard. We, because we are a multinational insurer with a century-long track record in underwriting excellence, a great brand inducing customer trust, and certainly a sound traditional reinsurance protection. And that's how we like to think about it. So a lot of the challenges that uh, Jens just talked about, we feel we have uh, well under control. We have broad, strong shoulders to carry those uh, risks. And on this foundation, clearly pinpointing our need and the place for a legacy solution is sometimes a challenge. Where exactly do legacy transactions create value? How will they affect our portfolio steering? Legacy transactions have come in very handy for us in the context of M&A transactions and in legacy IT systems, to just call out maybe two examples. A few years ago, Ergo consolidated um, international portfolio of companies where in those M&A transactions, um, we were the seller. We have, of course, more information about the portfolio's reserves than the buyer. And hence, an ABC or a loss portfolio transfer is something we can use to reduce the risk to the seller and uh, to facilitate the transaction. In the second example, where, um, like everyone else in our markets, need to replace legacy core systems. Migration of legacy insurance policies to new systems can be reduced by using legacy solutions. Our IT projects have become less costly and less uh, complex for that reason. And you know that's a huge benefit given how difficult it is these days to complete multi-year IT projects on time and on budget. You also asked how we um, sell such a strategy internally. As useful as legacy solutions are to us, they're also complex and each transaction is tailor-made and quite different from the last. Internally, there's a myriad of stakeholders uh, eventually involved. There's the CFO, the CTO, the CUO and, and their teams. How to bring everyone along and drive swift uh, decision-making requires, from my perspective, careful thought. And that's where our first principle is, folks need to know about legacy transactions and use their principle long before they happen. And um, this is why we defined legacy transactions as a strategic tool in our toolbox um, that we use on a standardized basis for M&A transactions or large IT projects when we know data migration might become uh, an issue. The second principle is when we come to a specific transaction, we look for a partner who we find good and easy to work with. The more flexible in their solution offering and stronger their communication skills um, are, the easier our internal project management becomes. 
Thank you, Christine. Some of, some of those drivers there definitely sound familiar from previous conversations we've had on the podcast with, with, with captive owners this year as well. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the ideal legacy partner a bit later. Judith, from your perspective there, what are some of the success drivers when completing a legacy transaction? First of all, I think we need to define what do we mean with a legacy transaction because uh, we should differentiate between economic finality, which can be addressed by means of retroactive reinsurance, as well as uh, legal finality, where we are really tr- uh, talking about transferring uh, portfolios and um, how we transfer uh, portfolios really depends upon the legal environment. Then a success factor is definitely understanding the motivation of the client. Christine has pointed out some of those, and these are extremely important because it is about creating value, and we can only create value if we understand uh, what the client wants to achieve, why is it important for the company, how do structures need to correspond to that, and uh, what are the overall effects. So even though there might be capital issues that lead a client to actually uh, look into a legacy um, transaction, meaning either reinsurance or meaning uh, portfolio transfer. It does provide the capital effect, but can also have other implications, such as accounting implications, such as the effect on different KPIs, if it is ROE, for example. So this is what needs to be tackled within a transaction and needs to be extremely transparent to all partners. This is the main success drivers. Certainly the structures that will be implemented and the the share of interest, the alignment of interest is also very important. Since we are talking about legacy, claims handling uh, is another topic. It's the expertise around claims handling. It's the philosophy. How will that change? This is important for, if we talk about a legal finality, for the seller as well as the buyer. The seller of the portfolio wants to make sure that the policyholders or the portfolio, when we talk about captives, is being treated in the way they want it to be treated and to be managed. So therefore, once again, this is extremely important. One of um, the other success drivers in my perspective is the capability both of a reinsurer and of a runoff provider. That means uh, they, they, we need to understand the client's need. We need to translate that into a structure and we need to deliver in a timely manner. And the last point I would like to mention, if you ask me what are the success drivers, it should be a partnership approach, which uh, should be based on trust and transparency and the ability that the team, because sometimes it can be also a partnership between a reinsurer and a runoff provider that provide a solution for a client, that uh, there is the ability to execute within that team. 
Thank you, Judith. So, Christine, Judith mentioned there some of the some of the ideal attributes they look for in a or they think should be looked for in a legacy partner. Things like the claims handling, the stru- different structures available, and the partnership approach. From the client's perspective, Christine, what do you think are the, the key important aspects you want from a legacy partner? From our perspective, above anything, of course, we we evaluate potential legacy partners according to the counter risk they pose to Ergo. In this evaluation, we have even more encompassing criteria in place than rating agencies. Um, a rating almost uh, we would consider um, to be a minimum requirement on our part. Beyond that, we choose our partners according to what I mentioned earlier. We look for someone who truly does not just sell a solution to us, but works with us in a definition of a solution. Here, the capabilities on the part of a legacy partner to deal with both challenges from IT issues or M&A-related challenges and dynamics are critical. A legacy partner, for example, for us needs to work with our IT partners as well as we do, or also with investment banks that we involve in an M&A project. A legacy partner needs to be able to provide a perfectly fitted piece in a large and um, potentially also complex puzzle that uh, a big IT project or a big M&A transaction provides. And um, they need to do that even though that shape of that puzzle piece they're providing might not necessarily be clear from the onset of a collaboration. Thank you, Christine. So, Judith, I think I want to ch- change focus a little bit and um, talk about structured reinsurance because we see more captives over time and small, medium size uh, insurers using structured reinsurance programs. But if they want to exit such a program, can this be achieved with a legacy transaction? Well, there are um, various mechanisms around. First of all, it depends on when you when you ask me, can they exit a structured solution? It depends on the conditions agreed within that. But let's consider this is possible. There are various options. So first of all, there's uh, the possibility of commuting single programs there is then the possibility, once I have commuted liabilities, that I ring fence those. Ring fencing means because the net exposure has risen after commutation, that I ring fence that with a straightforward reinsurance. And the third option would then be if I've commuted, that I'm selling my whole portfolio. And this is what we usually know as a legacy transaction. So in general, to exit a program is really a little bit comparable than if a company would cease underwriting a whole line of business because the liabilities actually remain on the client's balance sheet. And uh, the effect would be that the capital costs can be significant and even more so inefficient. And this is part of the reason why we see more and more structured deals taking place. And um, because capital is to a certain extent scarce and shareholders look more so to, uh, to, uh, for companies who have a very efficient capital base. Also the administration of that uh, can be a burden when um, listening to Christine, she was referring to IT platforms, which might not be 
in focus or where new ones have been established, but still the old programs, which might be sitting on, on old IT systems, still need to be administered. And also the management attention is required. So it's always decisive to really understand also external factors, why a company wants to restructure a program or finding alternatives. We heard from Jens before that regulatory changes, changes in the products the company is offering, the policy mix, they all might require a structured solution, which can provide either a financing element or structures to manage upcoming volatility. Capital constraints might be another point where um, structured solutions could help and uh, where which can be uh, be tackled by appropriate structures. So all in all, yes, if the conditions previously have been agreed in structured uh, contracts, they can be terminated, they might be able to be commuted, and they can be ring-fenced if they are back on the portfolio, on the net position for a client. Thank you, Judith. Very, uh, very helpful there. And, and Jens, we often hear, we talk so much at the moment about new captives being formed. And one of the things we don't probably talk enough about is that when you set up a new captive, you, you, you should already be thinking about what the exit plan might be. And obviously, this is also the case when you're putting in a new type of reinsurance program. So in this situation, a structured reinsurance program, kind of reflecting on what Judith said there, what are your views on the possibility when it comes to captives and structured reinsurance programs? looking for a legacy solution. Uh, sure, Richard. Just l let me add or confirm just a few things to what Judith just said, uh, in particular from, from a legacy point of view. I mean, we have also seen that some of the larger reinsurance companies are offering prospective and multi-year aggregate or stop-loss structured solutions, sometimes on multi-year basis and also on a financial year basis, uh, meaning they also include then runoff exposure. However, uh, I think one cannot ignore the fact that these also these type of covers are exposed to the hard market and that they will also show some uh, significantly higher risk premiums. And, uh, and here I think what structured solution really means is that they are tailored to the specific client challenge, which is, for example, an increased frequency and severity due to the client motivation to uh, increase the uh, retention. However, if you ask me uh, a legacy carve out for that part via a full finality solution uh, would in that case mitigate the increase of future cost of insurance and reinsurance while also reduces the complexity within the organization. Fantastic. So Jens, just to finish then, um, what does a, a captive, we've heard a lot about different elements of uh, legacy transactions. What does a, a captive need to consider in advance of completing a legacy transaction? Uh, good question, Richard. And uh, probably I'm kind of repeating what Judith and especially Christine from a client point of view mentioned. But first of all, the respective captive managers and owners need to get aware of the benefits of such a solution. It's not simple, but it's actually as simple. Uh, here, we already see that uh, the various sh uh, stakeholders are more actively reaching out to discuss and get educated about the benefits of a captive legacy solution. However, not everyone is yet fully aware uh, of 
the positive impact a legacy solution can have. While cap relief certainly is a very important element to that, one should not ignore that there can be great benefits achieved via, for example, reduction of operational complexity. Just think about what also Christine said about IT reporting. Judith mentioned also a regulatory burden, uh, especially for smaller captives, and, uh, and of course, the consequent uh, reduction in operational cost. Nonetheless, I think it is recommended that clients tackle this via a so-called strategic project, as Delvac, the Lufthansa's captive, uh, recently did, or Christine uh, also mentioned earlier. In this respect, BFRC provides, I think, a lean consulting approach, allowing stakeholders to get an independent view of the options available which consequently can be discussed with their management and owners. In principle, it starts with a portfolio management project, analyzing the portfolio with internal and, in my case, external stakeholders and in respect of the various options and scenarios. For example, the benefit of looking into an exit solution versus a pure retrospective solution uh, with an economic result or full finality result or versus an outsourcing option or just continuing the operation as it is now. So in, instead of just continuing the costly roll forward of the past, it requires the management to step back and get a good view of all options available. And that also means they will need to dedicate some internal resources and time for such a project. I personally think we are the right partners to support this decision-making process, finding suitable and beneficial solutions for captives and their owners. Well, thank you to Jens, Christine and Judith for a very technical and informative GCP short on legacy solutions. If you would like further information on R&Q or any of our guests, then please do visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and check out our friends of the podcast and guest pages. At the start, Jens mentioned the recent R&Q transaction with Delvag, the German captive owned by Lufthansa. If you would like to hear more about that deal and Delvag in particular, then do check out GCP58. Either scroll back down the episode's archive or follow the link in the episode show notes. However, in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.